0: Brady Saar, and I'm a sales agronomist for CHS Egg Services. Erskine. We're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network. CHS Egg Services, providing solutions for your success. Good morning, Farm
1: News on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Don Wick. Along with Randy Conan in Studio, we'll get an update from Tyler Donaldson as well. Well, with this President's Day holiday, the futures markets are closed today. The Farm Service Agency and other government offices also closed. The Minnesota Legislature is in session
2: today. The South Dakota Legislature is not. Seasonally mild temperatures are expected through much of this week. In many areas temperatures will reach the upper 40s and even some low 50s. Maybe a little cooler on Thursday and Friday before another mild a surge of mild conditions. So a small area of snow showing up on radar this morning in central South Dakota between Highmore and Falkton. It has been a classic El Nino for the northern plains resulting in a warmer
1: and drier than normal winter. USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey
3: expects that to transition into a good planting season. We'll have a couple of cold-down breaks embedded in this, but overall, mild conditions for the rest of winter on into spring, so that transition to spring should feature above normal temperatures. Not going to be much of a mud season this year because we, we a we haven't had a whole lot of precipitation since some of those surprise December rains and snows. And, uh, you know, expecting drier than normal conditions and the warm weather should be a pretty easy start to the planting season, I really feel like, as we head into that uh, spring season. A quick transition from El
1: Nino to La Nina conditions will likely occur. Rippy believes that
3: can result in drought for the western High Plains and Pacific Northwest. I don't think that'll be as big a concern as you move east in the Red River Valley and the, the upper Midwest. But then there... A lot of questions about what could happen if this La Nina, this is the fourth time we've had La Nina in five years, as if we get it as expected. So I think there's a bigger concern for a broader scale drought as we move into 2025. It's a long time away, but just something to think about with this chronic La Nina one El Nino embedded within that that we do have to be concerned that maybe a little bit of drought, mainly western areas for twenty twenty four, but thinking about twenty twenty five and the potential for broader drought in some of our major production areas. Bolt marketing
2: market analyst Owen Bussey thinks the grains will continue to struggle to move higher through spring.
4: I think it's next Friday we'll have option expiration and then sadly maybe you know a little pressure on the March contracts as a lot of producers I, I think are gonna end up throwing in the towel a little bit on the old crop and saying just let it go. And I think this may sound weird, but I think that's exactly what we need to force a bottom. Um, a lot of times with these markets, you got to get the last bull out and flip him bearish, and then sure enough, that's the low and the market can start to recover a little bit.
2: Bussy expects the grain market to remain flat.
4: No, I don't have a bullish story to tell you we have to make an upward trend from here, but the first thing we got to do is get the funds to stop selling and the farmers to maybe dump a little bit. And then maybe we find an inquiry cover, At least make a range bound into March, like I said. And then we got a whole growing season in front of us. So don't panic. Sell everything here. We still got to raise a crop in 24. So we'll start talking acres and the what ifs and things like that moving forward.
1: Bauer Trading Market Analyst Ben Cash says corn being held in farmers' hands is weighing in on the futures market. A
4: lot of cash corn it seems like in farmers' hands, and that's what's weighing on the market. Um, a lot of March deliveries, too, that are due up. So, uh, you know, once again, I think that's keeping the upside limited here for the corn market for the time being. But our export sales have been pretty impressive lately. Uh, we'll see if that, you know, that continues or not, um, you know, as they move along in that first, first crop corn harvest there in Brazil and start to get into a little bit of it um, there in northern Argentina as well.
2: Transitional market is difficult for everyone. Kansas uh, uh, Ag Consulting Partner Angie Setzer says it's hard to sell $6 corn when you've sold $7 or $8 corn. The Recent markets give farmers a false sense of security. For
5: me, working with my growers, we're trying to focus on what we can control and really work to avoid unforced errors. Really don't get to where we're speculating or putting money where we shouldn't be. Really get to where we're making sure that we are well aware of what our costs are and what we need to be accomplishing from a selling standpoint. Just really working hard to make sure that we don't jump out of the frying pan and into the fire because we're desperate or worried or scared.
2: Setzer, who was part of the USDA Ag Outlook Forum program, said it's important to lock in profit whenever possible.
5: 5 to 10 percent rallies in bear markets are sometimes all you get. And so in corn, that's 40 percent. And beans, it's a buck. That's nice, right? But honestly, in a bear market, if you can get 5 to 10%, we tend to be pretty happy.
2: This is the Red
1: River Farm Network. Farm news on the Red River Farm Network. Twenty Republican senators have signed a letter urging EPA to appeal the federal court decision to vacate the registration of dicamba. The lawmakers also want the agency to modify its existing stocks order... So farmers, retailers and manufacturers won't be impacted this spring. Lawmakers from this region signing the letter are North Dakota senators John Holven and Kevin Kramer
2: and South Dakota senator John Thune. Corteva has reported the discovery of a suspected 2,4-D resistant water hemp population in North Central Iowa. Corteva employee collected two samples of water hemp seeds, one from plants in the field and one from plants growing in a row ditch next to the field. Greenhouse testing at Iowa State University initially confirmed the plants from the ditch were resistant to 2,4-D, while the plants from the field were not. Further testing is underway by Corteva. If confirmed, Iowa would become the fourth state where 2,4-D resistant water hemp has been found. The contraction of the cattle herd is expected to
1: continue this year. During the Ag Outlook Forum, USDA livestock economist Shale Shagum says that will increase prices for the cow-calf producer. With those tightening supplies of cattle outside feedlots, feeder calves are going to be very valuable. You got to have something to put in those feedlots and we do anticipate we will probably be hitting record levels of, of feeder record high prices for feeder cattle during 2024 eclipsing this year's record probably at about um 248 to 249 dollars 100 weight for the 752 800 pound feeder steers we track as our benchmark uh and then, like i said that compares to the record of last year of about 219 so You know, cattle feeders are going to have to pay up for those animals as we move into 2024.
2: California's Prop 12 has now been fully implemented a month and a half. This initiative bans the sale of pork in California from farms anywhere that can find pregnant sows in gestation stalls. The rule was designed to protect the welfare of the animal, but Everag chief livestock economist Steve Meyer said that actually puts the sow at great risk.
6: When a sow comes out of a farrowing crate after nursing a large litter, she is in a drawn down physical condition. It's the most vulnerable time of that animal's life. And this law says you throw her in a pen with a whole bunch of other animals that are at the most vulnerable time of their life. It's just asinine, really. I mean, uh, the the breeding crate allows her to recover physically, to get her bred, okay, and to really recover before you have to mix her in with pen mates. And folks, I've raised hogs pretty much all my life, and they don't treat each other nicely. They have to establish this, this pecking order, and this is not a real good thing for welfare.
2: Massachusetts has a similar legislation in place, but the impact
6: on food prices may prevent others from going down that same road. I I don't doubt that some other states are going to try. I think some of those states are going to look at the results in California and say, we don't want to drive up the cost of food for our low-income citizens. I mean, maybe that will prevail. I hope it does, uh, but we'll see.
1: With farmers holding 40 to 50 percent of their corn, Martinson Ag Risk Management President Randy Martinson says the market is trying to get them to sell.
0: Producer didn't sell a lot of grain for whatever reason here as we went through the growing season of, of 23, you know, whether it had been the drought, not worry, worrying about production and, you know, not needing the income, but there wasn't a lot of grain sold for the 23 uh, crop year. Farmers are sitting on a lot of grain basically in storage. and. I think the market is now just trying to, you know, get farmers to give up that grain, you know, just out of more of frustration than anything. The cattle market firmed during the second half of the week. You know, we got overbought. The market needed to clean up a little bit. Packers are pushing back again a little bit. They're trying to slow down their Saturday uh, um, chain speeds. So they're having a tough time finding the product and they're having a tough time making uh, uh profit on the so I think they're looking at trying to slow things down a little bit Um, that will push weights back up again but also the supplies are going to get tighter Uh, feedlots are still buying calves at some high prices and I do think that you know we'll see a better market later in the summer but short term we could still see this thing trade back and forth as of February 1st the amount of potatoes held in storage nationwide up
2: 12 percent from a year ago in North Dakota current stocks represent 51 percent of the past year production The uh, russets account for 52% of the total, whites 27%, reds 17%, yellows were 4%. This is the Red River Farm Network. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the
1: Red River Farm Network. Minnesota Pork Congress took place this last week. Red River Farm Network Farm broadcaster Tyler Donaldson has a recap. Speaking
5: with Minnesota Pork Board CEO Jill Ressler. Jill, the uh, Minnesota Pork Congress finished up earlier in the week. What can you share with us? Uh, any any highlights that stand out to you topic-wise or discussions on the floor? Yeah, we, we did wrap up a, another successful Minnesota Pork Congress. This is actually our third year in Mankato. We continue to see attendance at Minnesota Pork Congress rise. And I would say overall... Uh, you know, attitudes of farmers were were okay. Uh, certainly, we we continue to see the impact of really challenging economic times within the the Minnesota pork industry and, quite honestly, the U.S. pork industry. But as we look to summer months and see the economic tides maybe shifting just a bit, you could see the optimism in, in farmers' voices and faces that. Um, maybe we're getting to the end of the cycle, and, and that's certainly encouraging. You mentioned difficult economic times. In your view, how are pork producers dealing with uh, the difficult market environment that we're in right now? Yeah, certainly it's it's one of the, the toughest ones that we've seen or experienced within the pork industry in decades. As we look at current economics, we can see that about 14 of the last 16 months, Pig farmers have have been operating at a loss within their business, and and yet agriculture is cyclical, and and we know that this too shall pass. This cycle certainly has has lasted a bit longer than we've seen historically, and and yet what I love about Minnesota pig farmers, as we look at uh, hope for the future, it, it really can be seen in the faces of the next generation of, of pig farmers. You know, Minnesota is uniquely positioned. We have. All family farms here in the state of minnesota and and we're talking about four fifth sixth eighth generation pig farmers and so i think the the resiliency the grit the desire to get on the other side of this is is really what you can see push through during these challenging times are issues like prop 12 and the massachusetts q3 do you see those affecting pork producers much there's lots of issues impacting pig farmers right now prop 12 q3 certainly would be two of them but we also see challenging times in the whether it's in the minnesota legislature with with litigation we're experiencing with regulation that's being proposed and so i think Situations like that continue to underline the importance of having organizations like Minnesota Pork Producers Association and Minnesota Pork Board being unrelenting advocates on behalf of Minnesota family farmers. That was Minnesota Pork Board CEO Jill Ressler. For the Red River Farm Network, I'm Tyler Donaldson. Keep in mind, markets are closed today in
1: observance of the President's Day holiday on the farm calendar, the North Dakota Farmers Union is hosting its Evolution Ag Summit that will be held tomorrow in Jamestown, a one-day event that's uh, focusing in on soil carbon management, incentives for farmers and ranchers to implement these uh, practices on their farmer ranch. Uh, among their speakers, the shark farmer Rob Sharkey on the program. The Minnesota Department of Agriculture has its Nutrient Management Conference tomorrow. It's an 8 a.m. start That program is happening in Mankato. And coming up tomorrow evening, 6.30, the Northland Potato Growers Association annual meeting and Chairman's Award Banquet that will be held in Grand Forks. Have a great day. This is the Red River Farm Network.